0: The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground.
1: We're just noticing how the mind, body, heart is after the practice. And of course, the idea is to do it, you know, to do it formally is really a way of planting seeds or. Creating that groove in our mind to notice what's good so that it becomes kind of second nature. So, as we move through life, you know, we're going to bump into our own and other people's suffering, and we're going to bump into our own and other people's gladness. And we want to be able to respond beautifully to both with compassion when we're bumping into suffering and with a, that kind of gratitude, appreciation. And that's really the nimbleness of the heart, you know, just knows how to show up with whatever's going on in life. And speaking of that, uh, we haven't done this in a while, but now that we're back in person, we can read from the book. So those of you online might know, especially those of you out of town, but we have a beautiful Kuan Yin statue in the corner. Here I'll turn the camera there for those online, and you can see it there. And we keep a little notebook there for community members to uh, not just write what's going wrong in their life and asking for help and support, but also when there's really beautiful things going on in their lives, so we can appreciate the beautiful things going on in people's life and everything in between. So keep that in mind. And even those of you who live out of town, you can just send an email to the center and we'll put it in the book for you. And then this first Friday of the month, usually the, one of the program hosts, like Chelsea, is uh, serving in that role tonight. They just read what has been written in the last month. So, Chelsea, maybe you'd be willing to sit right here so people can hear you online. Meta for all the wildlife and
0: plant life suffering from climate change. That's it for all beings affected by gun violence. May we be safe and protected. For Barb, as she travels to Germany and Poland to support humanitarian efforts relating to needs of cancer patients and wounded Ukrainian soldiers, may she and this noble work be infused with the deepest love and wisdom. Metta for those who are in prison. Pray for me and my family as change comes into our lives. For STL and their journey in treatment.
1: Okay, thank you Chelsea. Whenever I'm uh, talking about buddhita, I'd love to reread this poem. I've read it so many times. It hasn't gotten old. Many of you have heard it many times yourself. Um, Written by Galway, Canal, St. Francis in the South. People know that. But it's really a beautiful uh, expression of what appreciation is all about. So read this say a few words, and then hopefully some of you have your own reflections, like just organically, where have you experienced that gladness, that uncontrived natural arising of appreciation? And it really feels and looks within our own body-mind as a beautiful thing. I mean, that's the great thing about love, isn't it? It's, It's sort of its own exponential function if you remember your math right it just keeps and that's that boundless so the buddha talks about love as a boundless quality because it has that expansive quality and you might sense that in this poem the bud stands for all things even those things that don't flower for everything flowers from within of self-blessing, though sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on its brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch, it is lovely, until it flowers again from within of self-blessing, as Saint Francis put his hand on the creased forehead of the sow and told her in words and in touch blessings of the earth on the sow. And the sow began remembering all down her thick length from the earthen snout all the way through the fodder and slops to the spiritual curl of the tail. From the hard spininess spiked out from the spine down through the great broken heart to the blue milken. Dreaminess spurting and shuddering from the 14 teats into the 14 mouths sucking and blowing beneath them the long, perfect loveliness of
2: sound.
1: Isn't that sweet? I sometimes tell the story, I still remember it. Still, sort of has a strong impression on my heart. It was just an ordinary day walking home from St. Austin Catholic Elementary School in North Minneapolis, where I was living. I grew up there, and uh, school was I don't know seven blocks from home, and uh, just down an ordinary street, and just seeing the I was just seeing something really ordinary. The grass was spring, kind of this time of year, and the sidewalk, and I'm not sure what it was, but it was like seeing it for the first time. Just the, in Buddhism we have this term, tata, which usually gets translated as suchness or thusness, but just the simple perfection of grass and sidewalk. I mean, this is I was just like a seven, eight-year-old kid. I'm not sure how old I was, but something like that. And it wasn't a special grass or sidewalk. It was just somebody's front yard, you know, the, and the sidewalk between the front yard and the boulevard and then the street. But there was just something that stood out. And this is what we miss. I know it always sounds a little contrived, a little new agey, You know, or like somebody's high on marijuana or something. Oh (laughs) wow! But what's interesting is just to notice how our mind clings, this arrogant clinging to, well, this ain't special. You know, this isn't special. It's like all through life we go through thinking, well, this moment ain't special. There's nothing good here, right? We and that's our projection, on everything. All day long. It's a lot of work to be projecting negativity all day long. And we don't even know we're doing it because it's so pervasive. And so, initially the practice might seem, the practice of buddhita might seem a little contrived. But remember, we're undoing a habit that has some momentum. right? So the contrivance of, okay, I'm going to sit down you know, in my comfortable lawn chair, staring at my backyard or in a park, on a park bench. And I'm just going to appreciate the people who come jogging by, you know, nice leggings. May you be happy in those leggings. <laughs> may that happiness continue and increase and never end, you know, and those great running shoes you have and the bounce in your step, or you know, and the dog trotting behind you. You know, may your happiness continue. It and with or without words, remember. And it's like we're rewiring or reprogramming the mind to not see the threats, to not see the danger, to not see the dog poop or the trash that's over there, or the. Because we can notice those things too. And it's not that we need to be oblivious to those things, but it isn't the whole truth. And some of you might need this kind of medicine, spiritual medicine. You know, people who are wired like me as a more critical type. You know, that's just my temperament to be judgmental and critical and see what's wrong. And, uh, and it's, it was so healing to do more and more mudita over the years. And just to realize that there are things to be appreciated, appreciated. And we can notice the dust in our house or apartment, or we can notice, you know, something that someone gave us a long time ago that's sitting there on the shelf. And remember, oh yeah, that was, that was a beautiful thing that that person gave this, or I bought that for myself. You know, and may that, the goodness of that and me doing that or that person doing that, may that continue. It is continuing in ways that I'm not aware of. All around, right? There's a lot of goodness going on. I mean, right now, how many mothers or fathers or caretakers are cuddling their kid? A lot. You know, but we're thinking we're more likely to think about the kids who might be hungry, which is also good to remember and let that in and let that touch the heart. But that's half of it. You know, and some of those caretakers, parents, are cooking what the child wants to eat, and that child is feeling loved and cared for. And may that goodness continue and increase and never end. And in a way, what we want ultimately is a heart that's really nimble. It can connect with whatever is in front of us. If something's really confusing or ambiguous, we still have this expansive quality of equanimity. I don't know what the heck's going on. I don't know if it's good or bad, but this heart isn't afraid to be wide open, you know? I'm not afraid to be connected. I'm not afraid of the ambiguity or the confusion. I'm willing to be, I'm willing to include this too this confusion belongs. So we can connect with suffering, we can connect with all the beauty. But as a spiritual training, we might need to just make a point at looking at how I'm relating to suffering or how I'm relating to beauty and goodness or how I'm relating to what's confusing so that we we kind of expand our capacity so that there's nowhere... We catch ourselves closing the doors of the heart, not this. This is not okay. So maybe I'll leave it here, just uh, be nice to hear from other people what you've been learning. Someone just gave me this uh, poem recently, I'll just share this, another one. Uh, This is from Lynn Ungar. It's called The Way It Is. One morning you might wake up to realize that the knot in your stomach had loosened itself and slipped away, and that the pit of unfulfilled longing in your heart had gradually, and without you really noticing, been filled in, patched like a pothole, not quite the same as it was, but good enough. And in that moment it might occur to you that your life, though not the way you planned it, and maybe not even entirely the way you wanted it, is nonetheless persistently, abundantly, miraculously, exactly the way it is. That's a nice blending of mudita and equanimity, isn't it? You know, that balance of equanimity, things are the way that they are, and I can appreciate that too. So. Um, the way we do the conversation, when we have a hybrid program, um, people online, of course, you can just unmute yourselves. Uh, and if you want, you can even raise your digital hand to let me know you want to speak. And it could be a question about the practice you want to raise, and I'll respond. Or it might be just something you're learning, like I mentioned earlier, a place in your life where you just remember that uncontrived appreciation And and especially share, it's like how remembering or recognizing that mudita, what was the implication of that? There's something that happens when we realize that my heart can appreciate what's good. Because you know how easy it is to be jealous and envious of other people having happiness. So when we can truly appreciate the happiness of others, it's so liberating not to be afraid of other people's happiness. You know, like, I can, it can be a boon to appreciate other people's happiness instead of reminding me of something that I don't like about myself or about my life. And then the people in the room, If you don't feel like comfortable coming up like Chelsea did and just speaking directly, just speak. Chelsea will give you the hand mic and then I'll repeat it for the people on Zoom so they know what you asked or what you shared. If you're going to share a lot, it's it's a nice thing to come up. And you don't have to have the camera on you, but just uh, so they can hear your voice. That would be great. So what, what thoughts come to mind? What examples do folks have to share with the group? Any learnings? Yeah, please.
3: Hi, it's Bill. Hello. I just had a really nice form of appreciation this evening for meditation and listening to wisdom your kindness um, I had a sister who, who took her life two months ago and I've been really depressed I have six sisters and two brothers she's my favorite though um, we're very much alike and uh, both Aries born two days apart but anyway it really hurt my heart and I've been having a lot of feeling tones and anxiety because um, we're so close you know and she practiced she's been to Nepal and, and to India and, and you know she she worked on her awareness and so it scares me it's, you know if you know if I, I don't want to go down that path and you know I do have some depression but not that extent but anyway here's the appreciation part so being a full moon I'd like to go to this uh, healer she does uh, reggae vortex healing and when she's working on me got done and she says you have a lot of support behind you Bill um, It made me feel good and she said I, there's an eagle in the form of her sister that I saw today and she said when you're out today just look, look for a symbol of an eagle oh, anyway. and, uh, In in uh, the Manitaka area I'm talking to a friend in his backyard and three eagles came around and they just circled for like three or four minutes so anyway that's, that's the appreciation part where I saw the beauty in life again and a sign <laughs> I felt that everything's okay with her and um it was just uplifting and, uh, and then coming to this and it was so funny, I had no idea I was coming to this. I remember that you have this on Fridays every Wednesday. And So I'm on, I shouldn't, don't tell you, please. But I'm looking at my phone, I'm driving. Oh, it's seven o'clock and Mark, you're teaching. So anyway, it's just turned out to be just a wonderful, appreciative day where this morning I had the anxiety and waking up, you know, I haven't having that lately, but it was getting better through the practices and the tools, so anyway, very appreciative of everyone here. That's my appreciative story. Mm. <laughs> yeah really powerful testimonial so thank
1: you for sharing with us yeah and it's really important to hear this because it's a little it's a little uh, out of the box that and we kind of know it but we 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 don't highlight these places in our life that have been very difficult and how even in those really dark times there are these bloomings where our heart really feels alive and trustworthy and good and uh, the reason we want to have those kind of testimonials is that we'll be will remain interested when we're in one of those dark times and we're feeling the pain of loss and uh, especially that kind of loss just the closeness and did, you said it was a suicide, is it what you Yeah. And um, because it, the mind, you know, it's just like, there's all kind of feedback loops, and some of them, you know, are vortexes that draw the mind, kind of separate the mind, disconnect, get into a dark place. And other kinds, like mudita, are uplifting and expansive. And it's really nice to know that we're never far away from both, actually. I mean, not to scare us, but it's like uh, we actually want to live with whatever scares us really close at hand. We don't want to be far away from it. We don't want to be surprised by our fear of death, by our fear of loss. We want all that right here, like arms around each other. Yeah, this is how life is beauty, horror the whole shebang is this. And that's what really releases the capacity for mudita, for loving appreciation and for compassion. It's just that basic friendliness is like not having to run from any of it. And so it's such a powerful example when somebody has any you know good reasons to kind of feel overwhelmed, but just to see that, oh, the heart can radically open. Thanks again. We'd like to speak next, questions or comments, examples from your life. Anybody online, Feel like sharing with the group? Yeah, Rob, you wanna come up?
3: Hi, my name's Rob. And as I rolled up to the center today, I noticed all the daffodils, (laughs) and the last time I was here, they weren't up yet. Um, Not only is that physically beautiful, but it also is a metaphor for like what I've learned here, um, how this place has transformed my life, and.
1: yeah and somebody put those in i mean this is the exponential part so it's one thing just seeing how many daffodils are out but then we realize like this whole place is just built on generosity just tons of little gifts and volunteering and somebody put in all those bulbs i mean there are hundreds of those daffodil bulbs i don't even know who did it the the person the Kathleen has been volunteering to lead the garden team for the last almost 10 years. She doesn't know who did it. <laughs> she went, I just saw this, like, who did that? So it's just these little uh, things. And so the, just the color and the living things that the, those flowers are is a cause for delight. But thinking that somebody generously did that is a cause for delight, right? And then on and on like that, like remembering some of the things that we've done, little things, bigger things, to take care of each other, you know. because we've all done something. And it, you see, it's just like, there's so many things that are worthy of joy. And we want to be good at finding joy. I mean, this would be, until you're really good at this, One thing you could do is every day, maybe before you go to bed, even sitting in bed before you fall asleep, just ask yourself and and be kind of persistent. No, I want to know, Mark, where did you recognize joy today? Where did you touch joy? Where did you let joy in today? Come on. And really, because we want to get good at remembering, oh yeah, joy did touch my heart today. Little, t- little here, a lot there, maybe a little bit over here. And then like in the example that was given, seeing the eagles or just feeling that encouragement from the healer, you know, and feeling held. Like I'm not, whole. I don't have to hold this all by myself. Like all those places where we can delight, oh, there is goodness in this world. Seeing Steve over here, I know you know Steve um, has been volunteering. He was telling me we drove out to the retreat center a couple times together to do some work, and Steve does a lot of work here. He's on the building committee, and uh, but but he tells me he told me about this place over in St. Paul that has been serving the recovery, the 12 step community. How long has that place been there? Decades, right? Yeah. And Steve's been kind of taking care of that building, you know, and just how many, I asked him, like, how many groups happen there? It's like, amazing number of groups happen every week in this place, and that, you know, it's just like all oh, these things that people do. And even people, you know, we don't have to dismiss the people who get paid, like the sanitation workers, how nice it is that people pick up the garbage. I was thinking about this with toilets, you know, just like how nice it is that all our urine and feces gets removed. That's how, you, you can't have big groups of people without having some system. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to have a lot of smell and a lot of disease. And just a convenience, I, I came up just a moment of mudita today. I think I was just clearing, I drink a lot of green tea, you know, just cleaning the little, filter that holds the green tea and the sink and just the fact that there's water clean water and i don't have to worry about how expensive it is i mean i know it isn't cheap but i don't think about i mean i don't waste it but i don't worry to rinse the filter out and just how nice it is to have water i can trust come out of the spigot and it was just a little moment of appreciation that just landed because it's And I tried for a while, this is like 15 years ago, I tried whenever I drink water to really appreciate it. And it was like, I had a lot of delight in my life when that practice was strong, you know, because I'm drinking water many times during the day. I just appreciate, oh, water, clean water. Yeah, it'd be nice to hear if we have more time. What other thoughts? Yeah, you want to come up front, Dan?
2: Yeah, um, I'm Dan. Um, look, I have more of a question on that practice. I've been, over the last few weeks of practice, I've I have some friends who are going through some tough things. And um, I just wonder, um, I'm sure I'm not alone with this, as I practice, there's sometimes a gnawing thing in the back of my mind, like, this isn't gonna do any good. Or, this isn't gonna work. And these things, it's distracting. I sometimes I can get over it, but sometimes you have to go through the whole meta and still have that there, and it's at odds with my intention, even though my intention feels pretty sincere. And I don't know where it comes from, which it is. It's just there. And um, uh, yeah, so anyway, I'll just leave it with that. So if you have any thoughts on that, if you run into that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Dan. And I'll just repeat it briefly, but for the people online, But Dan asks a really good question about, I mean, I would call that doubt, right? But it can, that's not to belittle it, because doubt can be really painful and heavy at times. But that nagging doubt that in some ways challenges the sincerity, like you said, Dan, like you're pretty clear that the intention behind the loving-kindness or the mudita practice is real. But that's like the doubt, like, is this really going to help? It can kind of challenge that sincerity. Like, are you just doing this um, because you're afraid? It's not going to, you know, be be left with emptiness or nothing or whatever it might be. And there's a couple things you can do. I mean, one, it it just depends on the strength of the doubt. If the doubt has a lot of strength, you want to invite it into the room fully. And you might even have to drop the metta or the mudita practice at that time. And you might just have to recognize there is this doubt. And it may be a kind of flavor of nihilism, you know, like nothing matters. Um, Things are just the way that they are. And I'm just destined to have this mind or this attitude or Whatever kind of scary negative version, you know, of that story that might be generated in those moments. And then we let it kind of, because just that capacity to let that doubt express itself, it's almost like you're saying, honey, you get the mic. You get to say what you need to say. Because without us even saying that, we're saying, I'm not afraid of you. And you belong. How do I know you belong? Because you're here. It's not, you don't belong because I want you to be here. You belong because you're already here. You're already moving. And you're something being known. You're something being felt. This is nature. This is the way it is. And excluding you or practicing being afraid of you is tight. And I'm, I don't know much, but I know tightness isn't the way. So I'm not gonna be tight about the doubt. Now, sometimes the doubt, when we invite it in, it's really strong, and then we might need to do, like we touch it, we open to it, but then we notice what else is there, something more neutral. Like we open our eyes even if we're sitting in, in meditation. Oh yeah, there's that scary doubt, and then there's this nice room I'm in, and this group of people I'm with. <coughs> or my stuff, if you're at home, you know. But we we kind of, and I can be here. So I call that touch and go. So we turn to <clears> the doubt, and then we open to something neutral, like hearing, or seeing, or whatever is neutral, feeling the breath, feeling the buttocks on the chair, whatever it might be. Then there's also just like, uh, like you said this in your sharing Dan. Like, that doubt's there, you kind of let it in, no doubt you get to be here, but look it, I do appreciate this, right? So you're not, you're not denying the doubt, but you're just saying to yourself, this is also true. I did run across this dog today, that dog did seem happy to see me, I saw the tail wag, that seemed like a moment that was good and I'm going to appreciate it. Without saying this doubt is true or not true, you get to be here. But right now I'm appreciating that moment and just to persist with it. Because the thing we don't want to do is somehow believe the thought that that doubt is inappropriate or that that doubt eliminates the good or negates the good. Because the world isn't that way.
2: It, it, it's funny because it seems like doubt has a truth about it, you know, because it's, it's so garish. You know, the
1: yeah. And what we can do, so Dan just said that it seems like doubt, what, what was the word to you? A truth about it. Yeah. Doubt has a truth about it. Yeah. Exactly. But what gives doubt its power is the story is compelling. So what we do is we let the story of the doubt say what it's going to say, but we're, we're more listening to what it feels like. What's, okay, I hear you. What's the feeling that goes with that, those words, that thought? Oh, it feels, this is what it feels like. Cause there's something powerful about the wisdom and love that's willing to feel what doubt feels like. Because then there's nothing left for doubt, no cards left for doubt to play. Because we're basically, let me feel this. Let me be with this. And then it, it has no more power. We've, we've made peace with the power that it has. We've included it. And that's what, uh, oh, this is what that doubt is. Not the story, but this underlying feeling, this yucky, wormy, whatever it is, you know, but it's just that wormy feeling. Well, I have the wisdom and love that knows how to be with wormy feelings. I mean, over time, we get better. Sometimes, like I said, we have to do the touch and go, or we orbit at some, what seems, safe distance. We know the doubt is there, but we're not really, don't feel confident enough to go right into it. But over time, we will be able to say, well, what is it? what is the feeling here? I'm not, I'm not afraid. You, I'm tired of running from you. The feeling is already the feeling, you know. So why not just feel the feeling? Whatever the doubt is, it is. So why not just make friends with it? And that is very powerful when we can do it. And sometimes like in those times, Dan, because you're not going to be sleepy in those months. I'll lie down in a lying down meditation. I'll put a blanket up. I'll do some of those physical things that bring safety, you know, or I'll think about where I'll sit. Or I might take a walk in a place that's beautiful. Or I might sit with a friend. So that you feel, like, or I might come to common ground and sit with the community. So sort of Drawing on the strength of the community, the energy of the community to be with that, those things that are hard to be with. Doubt is uh, deserving of our respect because those tendencies to feel like we're fooling ourselves or that we're trapped, those are very old habits, you know, like being trapped. And one of the things that our spiritual traditions need to do for us is um, help us see that whatever the story is that we have about being no good, or trapped, or doomed, that it's not the whole truth. But there's always some truth there that makes that lie really powerful. So we can't just dismiss it, the doubt. But it isn't the whole truth. And when when the whole picture comes into balance, then we can handle the truth of doubt, the truth of being an imperfect human being. We're animals, so, you know, we're imperfect, I mean, not that animals are imperfect, but we are, all animals are imperfect, we're just part of what we are, it's just all that conditioning that we get from our evolutionary history. Yeah, thanks, Dan, for bringing that up for us. We have time for a couple more, maybe one or two more.
2: Hello, I'm Natalie. And um, like Bill, I also have had some uh, pretty, pretty major sadness in the last week. Um, my cousin dropped dead abruptly. That was a shock for all of us, and um, although of- she was 82. Um, we believe it was a heart attack. She was found by her dog sitting on a couch. She looked like she was sleeping, and the cat was curled up on her lap. You know how lovely, but shocking as well. And I have a dear dear friend of 40 years who's dying in the hospital now, somebody who's a peace and reconciliation expert at Eastern School, College, and It's so sad to see her go when we meet people like this so pretty much. And today I learned that my dear and Winona, who was 34, has a severe case of shingles, highly unusual. highly unusual. So I felt quite brimming over. I was tired from a long trip, it was a five hour trip. And so today, what I did after I finished my work this morning it's my favorite park, and it's a, a lake, Lake Susan on Chanhassen and I walked for forty-five minutes, and I didn't walk at any particular rate. I just went at whatever rate I felt like in that very moment, and I was just so taken and totally absorbed in one of my favorite things about spring. And that is the color, almost the fuzziness of the green leaves popping out from their buds, And it is just the most remarkable green. And it felt so healing to me. And I was able to listen to the birds chirping so loudly. I could hear some ducks as I was walking next to the lake. And I just stopped crying, felt like it, and took it several people went by and everyone seemed happy and I was several people happy spring and could feel from them just such wonderful energy and jubilation. Several dogs were happy. And I made my way back to the car and just as I got back to the car, it started to rain. And so I just lifted my face up and I just felt like Some of that sorrow just wept, just waved off of me in the rain.
1: It was just wonderful to see all this great wonder and amazement. I was so appreciative. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Natalie. Could people online hear any of that from Natalie sharing? Oh, good. Well, some of you nodded yes, and some of you nodded no. Yeah, Natalie just uh, mentioned a lot of loss and difficulty and some very close people in her lives and then took herself for a 45-minute walk in a beautiful place. And the interesting thing, you know, Natalie mentioned all the things related to spring and the nice day we're having here in Minnesota. But here's the question. It's a nice place for us to end tonight. Was it the sound of the birds or... Natalie described that amazing green color of the leaves just coming with a budding. It is a very beautiful, distinct kind of green. But what's really healing isn't the green, because, you know, a lot of people see that green and it's not healing for them, right? (laughs) What's healing, what actually transforms our heart is the appreciation itself, right? And... That's, you know, we think, why well, I need that few weeks in May when the leaves, because that's the only thing I can delight in. But it's not true. We can delight in Bill's red sweatshirt, you know. I mean, it's true, we can delight in anything. We just have to choose to delight in it. There's always things to, del- the wood floor is delightful, literally. I mean, it's like wonderful to have a wood floor. So now, you know, we're going to leave, and this will be our time to delight. And we could start by delighting and chanting together. So we, um, a couple people passed the chant books out tonight. So we'll do the chant on page 26, and I have it here in the chat. I'll give it to all of you online. Oh, Anne, I'm sorry, I missed your hand being raised. Here, Anne, go ahead and speak. Let me just get you uh, turn up the sound here. Go ahead, Anne. Oh,
2: okay. well, it just
1: has to be kind of quick.
2: It's very quick, and that's further um, in relation to what Natalie was just saying. And everyone has come to appreciate that to really um, abide in that appreciation, that I have to pause longer with it. It's really easy for me to go, "Oh, that's beautiful," and I move on. And so I've actually made a conscious effort to just even come to thirty, and just stay with that moment, and that deepens it profoundly.
1: And that's really how I Yeah, that's a great tip, because, and we can kind of rush with the phrases. And so to build in a pause, like, what does it feel like to be appreciated? And remember, don't look for something glorious. I mean, it may be in moments glorious, but it might be just a subtle upliftment or a subtle lightness or buoyancy because it's really the absence of heaviness as opposed to the presence of something. And I'll end with this point. The near enemy of mudita is exuberance, where we're kind of whipped up, sort of the froth, emotional froth. You know, and then we're, we're actually in, identified with the froth, the exuberance, and we're not connected to the moment anymore. So mudita is a little lighter and more, uh, subtle than the kind of somebody freaking out about how lucky I am and oh, you're, you know, I just love you, Mark. And that's not mudita. That's whatever that is, you know. But mudita is just, uh, just that kind of glow like, oh, there's goodness, there's goodness here. And that's good that there's goodness. And may it continue, may it increase, and may it never end. So we'll just do the Mudita version of the Four Quarters Chant. So that's the last version. And here Mudita is translated as gladness. I will abide pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with gladness, likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth, so above and below, around and everywhere, and to all as to myself, pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with gladness, abundance, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill for the bell. Thanks for coming, everyone. It's so nice to practice together. It's really a joy to gather like this. If you have any questions about the center, you can see me or Chelsea over there. And uh, hope to see some of you next first Friday in uh, June, whatever that will be, maybe the third of June. And Stacy will be here for that. Have a good weekend. Good night to all of you online.